Hey listeners, welcome to this week's episode of The Games We Love, a weekly video game podcast where friends get together for mostly positive and always fun discussion about games, industry news, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron White, and this week I am joined by my co-host Brad. Hello. And since Kevin is unable to be here with us tonight, we have called in reinforcements in the form of guest host Christian Uhlenberg. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, what's going on? Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk about all things gaming. I don't get to do this a lot because I'm too busy watching too many uh, TV shows and movies, but uh, thank you again for having me on. Oh man, we are excited to have you and chat with you as well. Just same reason. I mean, I think we are all reviewers of some kind or have been for film and TV and uh, well, we like to game too, and so it's it's the curse of having a lot of hobbies, I guess you could say. And it's nice to be able to get to stretch the legs and talk about them all. Where uh, do you do your work uh, with TV and movie reviews? Why don't you tell everybody where they can find your stuff? Yeah, so for the TV and movie side, um, we have our own podcast. Um, it's called Film Optics. That is optics with an X, so O P T I X. Uh, don't ask me why it came up with that name. It just came to me one day, you know, but um, that's mainly where we do all of our movie and TV reviews. And I also am a writer for the In Session Film website, so you can check out my reviews there. We I just dropped a Jurassic World Dominion review, so go check it out at InSessionFilm.com. Very cool. I actually love the way that you guys spell film optics. I, I think it's fun to do like a difference of a word there and not just be traditional. It's kind of like <laughs> us, how on feeling film, we are feeling with a, with an N and apostrophe yeah. instead of with a G. It's just a little <laughs> bit of a separator. It looks cooler too, to me than, you know, like with a CS. So I mean, good job on the name, but yeah. So if you're interested in film and TV stuff, absolutely check out Christian's uh, work there, but we're going to talk about gaming and a lot has gone on. Last week we discussed the PlayStation State of Play and Summer Game Fest showcases. Once we talk about what we've been playing, we're going to discuss the Xbox and Bethesda showcase that took place this past week and hit the highlights, go over what we're interested in, what maybe we're worried about, and more. But first, our listener question. This comes from Robert this week. In honor of the news that the Grammys will be adding a category to recognize video game scores, Hooray. Very overdue. Very cool. Wanted to find out what some of our favorite video game music is that we feel would be contenders for, say, winning a Grammy if these had been around years and years ago. And so I'll start. Uh, I've got a list here. And I'll tell you, as a big fan of scores in general, I love listening to movie scores and video game scores both. I have multiple playlists on like Spotify and Pandora that I'll pop in. And so I was pulling a lot of these choices from the ones that I've plugged into my playlists. Some of my favorites, I think you got to start back at the beginning with Chrono Trigger, uh, just an absolutely iconic score. There's a reason this sort of bit type of music that was beautiful then um, orchestrated uh, has become such a staple of the pixel generation of gaming. And it's just something that will always stand the test of time. That score for me, I also love a lot of more recent stuff. So I, most of my other picks are 
I'd say within the last decade. I'm a guy who is very much new. Um, old game is old to me in a lot of ways. New game is new. And so the same thing happens with music. It's just it's what I've played lately, right? What's on top of my mind. And FF7 Remake, for me, hit extremely hard. Um, it is one of the few video game scores that I made me want to consider buying a record player for just so I could get the vinyl because I thought it was just incredible. Final Fantasy 15, likewise, I think is an incredible score. My personal favorite video game composer is probably Austin Wintery. And I don't know if you're familiar with his work. He actually is on a podcast uh, called Play, Watch, Listen with Troy Baker, Mike Bithell, uh, who does indie games, uh, and Alana Pierce. And it's a great podcast, but he is responsible for the scores of games like Journey, which is absolutely an iconic, would be a contender for this award, in my opinion. And then more recently, he did a score for a game called The Pathless, which I don't think caught on as well as it probably should have. I am a big fan of that game, and the score is a huge reason why. It's a very dynamic score because you're just constantly moving around in this openish world. And it is able to adapt to what the player is doing in a unique way that is just beautiful. Hades, uh, Darren Korb, he does everything for super uh, giant games. Persona 5, I think, is a heck of a banger. The Last of Us, just you can't beat it. it. When you have a game that gives you a specific theme that you will know no matter what, even when you hear a couple of notes from it, that is when you know it's reached that level. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze is a weird one for me, but like I've recently started <laughs> playing that game and I don't know if you guys have played it, but like it is so much fun. You wouldn't think this would have the best score, but it is phenomenal, phenomenal music in that game. Um, and then two more. Destiny 2, I think, has fantastic music. It, it gets me hyped. It gets me ready to go out there and feel like I'm being a hero, which is what that game needs to do. And I'll also throw out Celeste from uh, composer Lena Rain. I think that is, I, I couldn't beat the game. <laughs> it was too hard for me, but it wasn't because the music, <laughs> the music is awesome. So that's a long, long list, but those are some of my personal favorites. Um, I don't know, Christian, what do you think? Any of those hit for you or what else you got? So The Last of Us, for sure. That is iconic. Chrono Trigger, you hit on the head there. Um, I'm going to bring up uh, Persona 5 and Skyrim. Elder Scrolls so Skyrim. Skyrim. Yeah. Yep. It's it's so majestic. Like just I don't know. When when you're playing through Skyrim, there were times where I was just, you know, messing around and I don't know, I was texting a friend or something, and I was just listening to the soundtrack. Just just listening to the the score in the in the background. I'm like, this is so soothing. Um I would also say Minecraft. That's probably not like a super <laughs> popular opinion, but like that the score in that entire uh -huh. game is just it's like it's so tranquil and i'm like okay this is where i need to be right now i don't feel <laughs> weird about donkey kong country tropical freeze anymore <laughs> <laughs> but yeah those are just a few i was trying to think if i thought well obviously halo uh halo 2 okay for sure i would also throw in like mass effect 2 or like the mass effect series mm. as well yeah i think anything with the big epic sci-fi tends to yeah kind of come with that by default it feels like oh or even super mario galaxy to be completely honest that was oh yeah Absolutely. yeah so it's like you can't you really can't go wrong with video game music like like you that's uh, true Eric, 
it's like i i listen to like movie scores and video game scores like when i'm just working out or just really just working like at my actual day job because you know it's it's kind of just puts me in that mood and i don't know it just makes me uh makes me feel happy (laughs) that's great brad you got any ones that are favorites for you uh, you said quite a bit of what I was thinking. Of course, Last of Us. Um, I remember feeling really excited to hear the Uncharted score um, in the movie. You know, mm. it, it's a great score already, but then incorporating it into the movie brought back, you know, some, you know, yeah, there it is. You know, uh, you also touched on the Final Fantasy VII remake, in which um, I remember playing that in 2020 and getting to the Sect and Se- Sector Seven slums and hearing that song that I grew up with. You know, I played that game so many times on PlayStation that. You know, hearing that again, fresh and maybe, you know, upgraded a little bit sounded it sounded so good, brought back a lot of memories. So, um, I mean, final there's a reason the Final Fantasy games, why that music tours, you know, with symphonies, because it's it's always it's always so good. Yeah, I said Last of Us, The Witcher. Um, I've played so many hours of The Witcher and uh, the art art or fields of art Skellig is a song that like or a score that stuck with me for a long time i can i can just play it in my head right now because i spent so much time down in skellige <laughs> and and just the a kind of a chilling like haunting female voice in there just kind of singing and and it's one that'll always stick with me and i also like the the soothing games like christian was talking about like i think the music in animal crossing new horizons made it fun to play That's, you know just ooh, yeah, it was it was soothing to just turn on turn on animal crossing do a few chores around the island and listen to the listen to the music and yeah and then all the games stardew by, valley by, does that as well sure. i think it's something with that genre yeah and then the uh the last one i had was from the super giant games which you also mentioned hades this past year in 2020 was absolutely phenomenal uh both gameplay and the music just added to how great that game felt and bastion uh was the only other super giant game that i put a lot of time into and it just the music was such a big part of it yeah he does a lot of interesting things with his creation of music he does a lot of like hans zimmer type things where darren korb does where he experiments with unique types of instruments and kind of creates ways to make new sounds and composer stuff that I creative side of me does not get at all. I'm just like, yeah, but it sounds cool. That's out. Yeah. I'm good. Thank you. And I'm glad that, <laughs> I'm glad you mis- mentioned Austin Wintery as well, because listening to him explain his process on the Play Watch Listen podcast just gives me a new appreciation for music and video games. As you can tell, it comes from mm-hmm. a passionate place and how much he loves doing it. And any Austin Wintery game score is going to be a banger. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Cool. Well, those are some of our picks, Robert. So hopefully you enjoy them. And listeners, if you have your own, let us know. Tell us what we missed. Come join the Discord and tell us there or find us on Twitter and reply there. But we'd love to hear what ones you would choose for Grammy winning scores as well. All right. Well, let's talk about some games and what we've been playing. Brad, I'm going to start with you because... As usual, I need to know what happened this past week. As last time we talked to you, you were stuck on boss number four, I want to say. You had gotten through number three in Returnal. Any progress? Yeah, I told you I was going to come in hot on this podcast, and I didn't know how I was actually going to roll into it. But since uh, you asked me directly about Returnal, I rolled credits on it last night. What? Oh, whoa. Yeah. Okay. Slow down. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, apparently, there is a third act in which I have to keep playing and, and 
some random or some RNG to to find six items amongst the six biomes to get the final like the secret ending. But as far as credits rolled, I was surprised to find out that the fifth biome doesn't have a boss. It's more of kind of like a gauntlet. You got to get three different things to open a door to get to the sixth biome. And the sixth biome has the final boss. And after I killed it, in one shot, mind you, like it was the best returnal run I think I've ever had. It felt like this seems like the end of the game. And then returnal across the screen and the credits rolled. And it took everything to not post that in the Discord last night because I wanted to surprise you with it today. <laughs> I'm but, glad you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm still playing through it, trying to get that secret ending because I do want to platinum the game. But I think it now that the drive to beat the game is done it's going to be a little bit harder because there's a lot of things i want to play as well since returnal's taken up so much of my time but it's like i said a couple podcasts ago it's so easy to pick up and play it's it's hard at times very hard at times which is why i've been talking about it so so much on here about being so but it's so addicting and that's another one that where the score uh, the music like just on the playstation menu where like if i leave my playstation console on the returnal logo and that haunting music is playing it's it's really, really good. Really, uh, really uh, easy to pick up and play. And I, I really want to get that platinum trophy, but I'm trying to keep my expectations in check because a lot of it's random at this point. Very and then, cool. Uh, I feel yeah. bad because I was talking smack to you too. And I was like, yeah, but you can't <laughs> even beat Returnal in the Discord. <laughs> and you're probably just sitting there wanting to like throw it in my face. Yeah, <laughs> no, that happened late last night. My buddy texted me. He said, hey, I might have some time for Returnal tonight if you want to co-op for the first time. And I was like, yeah, sure. He said 9.30. I might have some TV time. Let's do it. But come 9 o'clock, I'm deep in the fifth biome, almost about to start the sixth. I might have already been in the sixth and was like, let's let's dial it back a little. Fortunately, he, or unfortunately as well, because I would like to play with him, uh, was no longer available. So I got to keep going. And then uh, I sent him pictures of the credits and was like, hey, guess what I just did? <laughs> But yeah, great game. <laughs> Hands down, like I, I said on here last week, Christian, I don't know if I had a favorite PS5 game to date, but I slept on Returnal and it is easily, I think, the best game on PS5 right now. I'm still sleeping on Returnal. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I want to play it. I do. But I'm like, I don't like, I don't know, it's like, it gives me like the Dark Souls, like, PTSD because mm -hmm. yes. I've gone through that too many times and I tried it too many times and I'm like I can't play Dark Souls I've tried Bloodborne that's a little bit easier but maybe one day I'll give Returnal a try because that's from the same um, studio that made like Resogun isn't it? Correct. It is yep. Housemark. yep Resogun they're a, they're was a PlayStation a studio now yeah that's right that's right and yeah. it plays one, just one like day, that one day as far as uh, I should that's a misleading statement it doesn't play just <laughs> like that so, but uh, yeah <laughs> with them being arcade combat like you will the moment you feel your combat in eternal and you start playing with different weapons that have different types of bullet spreads mm -hmm. it is incredible how much it immediately does feel just like an arcade shooter but with a random little person in front of you instead of like a jet ship or something <laughs> i mean it, it really just it translates in a way that is remarkable and almost mind-blowing that it works it's almost uh, like I'll, Returnal I'll starts yeah, it's almost like Returnal starts where the little ship in Resogun crashes, right? <laughs> oh, Resogun, good way. Yeah, you're you're flying in circles and killing things, and then in Returnal you're on the ground doing the same thing with just a big bullet hell. And I I can't. It's frustrating. It's like you said, Christian. It's it's frustrating at times because things can be going so well, and just in the snap of a finger, you know, it goes yeah. downhill, and you have to start over. And I was frustrated so much with the game, but it made 
beating each boss and the end of the game so satisfactory at the end of it. It was incredible. That's good to know. I'll definitely check it out. I have to renew on my PlayStation Plus subscription because I don't know how I feel about this new tier system. But <laughs> it's on there. It's on the new one. So it is. It's one of the. It's one of the ones they made. They put on. I don't remember which of the fr- weird three levels it's on, but Brad probably knows. I think it's on the second. I think it's on extra. Second. Yeah. Okay. That's the ideal one. Like the mo- the third one. If you don't want demos or really random obscure old games it the third one is really not that much extra value i don't think i think it's the first two that are the the second one is the level also that will give you free access to like stray when that mm. game comes out in july that's it's coming, right yeah. it's like it's almost like game pass it's coming straight to that second tier mm. oh boy yeah and then <laughs> aside of uh returnal i rolled credits on companions of xanth it was a lot shorter than i remembered as a kid i think it's just because i'm an adult now and i'm I've played games for 30 years now rather than the five or six that I had played at the time that I played uh, Companions of Xanth. That's a 1993 point and click adventure, Christian on PC, that I oh. have been talking about occasionally on this podcast. And then played a few random games on the PS Plus streaming service because it was only $20 for me to upgrade to the uh, the highest tier uh, when I checked it the other day. So I picked it up on the PlayStation Plus drop. I tried, I checked out Enslaved uh, Odyssey to the West since Kevin was talking about it a couple weeks ago, even though I paid $3 for it on Steam when Kevin sent us the... Uh, the link for it, I saw it free on uh, PlayStation Plus and wanted to see, you know, how the streaming service works because it's not a downloaded, right. uh, play it natively game. You have to stream it right. from a remote PS3. So it's really weird seeing that PS3 uh, interface again whenever you're playing this. But uh, yeah, I played that a little bit of Arkham Origins because I've been missing that game. They haven't remastered that for, for any of the newer gen stuff. And uh, yeah, just, you know, 20 minutes on each of those just to see how the streaming worked. And it seemed to be all right. Um I don't have any issues with it at the at the moment. I don't think I'd ever play anything competitively, or I don't even know if there's competitive stuff on there to to worry about uh, lag and all that stuff. So that's all I've been doing. Mostly Returnal, dipping into a few other things, and that was my week in gaming. Any tease of what is next on your plate as far as games that you plan to dive into, or do you want to just save it? Because you can if you want, but I'm curious. <laughs> Just... Part of me is not done with Returnal. Since there is a, a, a narrative reason to keep going for Act 3 to, to get yeah. the secret ending, I, I do want to keep playing that. This past uh, week, when the uh, Resident Evil games dropped, I did auto. I, I went to GameStop and bought Resident Evil three and seven, so I can auto pop the PS five trophies. <laughs> so I have the the platinum on Resident Evil two, which I own digitally. Uh, Resident Evil three now and seven didn't work right, so me and a buddy are going to tear through that. I think Friday night. Um, you realize you I'm basically assuming. just that's an NFT. You literally just paid for a digital <laughs> ego boost. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. The GameStop policy is, you know, within seven days of pre-owned, you can return them. So that's, that it, I basically true. did it for free. That's so. true. Brilliant. I yeah. will give you that. That's true. I didn't feel like waiting on Resident Evil 3 because my dad owns that game. I borrowed it from him when I played through that remake and uh, he lives an hour away. And I was like, well, it's available now. There's a GameStop 12 minutes away that has it in stock. I'm going to do that. So I am going to play through Resident Evil 7 on Friday, which will be, I don't know what number of time I played through it. And then as far as new games... I don't really know what I want to dive into uh, fully after Returnal at, at the moment. Hopefully, I have a better update for you next week. Sounds good. Well, I'll look forward to hearing that. Um, seven is still on my list for at some point this year, so yeah. I'm going to finish it, Dadgummit. Third time to charm. <laughs> I believe scares in you. The, scares the bejesus out of me. Uh, most of the Resident Evils are fun. That one just is terrible, terrifying for me. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Well... 
I finally started one of my most anticipated, actually, I should say it was my most anticipated game of the year. And may sound weird that I am just now starting it when it came out the beginning of March, but I had pre-ordered Triangle Strategy months and months and months ago. I'm a humongous fan of Octopath Traveler. And while this is not necessarily made by the exact same team, it is in the same art style and has the same style of music, storytelling, etc. It's just a strategy RPG, a tactics RPG style of combat and storytelling versus Octopath Traveler's more traditional, normal turn-based party combat. And uh, when I when this came out, it was in a run of about a month and a half where the new Pokemon came out, Horizon Forbidden West came out, Elden Ring came out. Triangle Strategy came out, Tunic came out. I I honestly don't even remember what else it was, but there was something else that dropped. And then like two weeks after that, T- Tiny Tina's came out, which I had pre-ordered right. at the time. And mm-hmm. it was just, it was a nutso time. And I knew that when I dove into this game, I wanted to give it my all. And I'm sort of trying to recalibrate my gaming plans to where I allow myself to get through these big games because I'm such an RPG fan. And... I have to really tell myself like it's okay to just play one game for the next two weeks or three weeks and (laughs) and get through these 60 hours. I I get nervous. Like I I feel like I'm not, it's not okay, but it it is okay. And so I started this and it did completely grab me. And I mean, just immediately sucked me in. So if you're not familiar with triangle strategy, like I said, it's a tactics RPG. So SRPG, and it is published by Square Enix. The story is a sort of a medieval political intrigue tale, and I really, really have grown to love it. This game is in, is humongously story heavy. First of all, like it is a lot of story and only a little combat, and I can understand why that will probably turn quite a bit of people off, because there are times in this game where you will go through an hour of multiple different types of cutscenes, and maybe a little section where you walk around and do something but without an actual fight of any kind and then you might have like a 45 minute long tactics battle so it's a unique style of game right that won't appeal to everyone but what i really love about this story it revolves around a country called norzelia and essentially they are in the aftermath of a 30-year war called the salt iron war and it's it's between three kingdoms, so there's your triangle. And it's there's issues over sharing the salt mine. And there's, you know, a house that is or one of the kingdoms is extremely religious. And there's just it's it almost feels like Game of Thrones esque in the way that the situations play out in this story. And that's what really hooked me about it, is it doesn't have the traditional fantasy type of vibe to it Mm. yeah i've got mages that can cast you know lightning wind fire and ice but that is mostly the extent of the fantasy there's not dragons coming in to this world and all these other you're not summoning beasts and creatures and gods and stuff it's very human and grounded storytelling and it just is it's very very like i said intriguing with this concept of like these three different kingdoms that come to battle and there's tons of 
betrayal and backstabbing and the primary hooks of the gameplay outside of the combat lies in this system that they use called this conviction system. And essentially behind the scenes, every time your your main character, whose name is Sarah Noah, every time he does a thing or you make a choice or you talk to people, maybe not every time, but, but quite often, there will be like a, a point system that is being tallied back in the background of the game, which you can actually see it, I've been told, once you go to New Game Plus so that you can kind of try to manipulate it to achieve certain goals. But for now, it's in the background, and it, it will put your points into one of three things, either utility, morality, or liberty. And so it, it's based off of your conviction, like what kind of answer are you giving? What kind of leader are you trending towards being? And then these invisible parameters will act like road marks or, or like they'll, they'll kind of like take you down certain paths. And there's multiple paths, like a fire emblem, three houses, where you can choose different ways to go. But uh, these decisions will also influence which companions join you. So in between sections of the game, you'll find these little like side stories. And if you've played Octopath Traveler at all, it's similar to how character stories will work in that you'll get a little pop-up that says this thing is available you can skip it but if you don't you might get a little backstory or a character might join your party and that character could not be available to you if you have made other choices because you didn't your parameter is not in line with what that character wants which is really cool and i like that a lot then the other part of that system is that your character comes from a house that everything is built around, their, their ruling process is built around these things called the scales of conviction. And so multiple times throughout the game at critical points, your way of leading your people is to listen to what everybody has to say and then have them cast a vote into one side of a scale and then whatever the majority says is what you go with. And... So you'll be presented with a topic or an, of a choice, and it could be go to X country or Y country. It could be much more serious than that, and it is at many times. <laughs> and what will happen is you'll be given the opportunity to go around to each of the people in your house and discuss it with them. And one of the sections of the game you'll get is like an exploratory section. This is sort of like in Fire Emblem Three Houses where you go to the school and you can walk around and talk to people. So you can do that and you can find little notes with lore of the world. Uh, you can talk to people and they will tell you stories that will increase knowledge. And then it will unlock unique dialogue choices when you are doing these scales of conviction process. And so you get to decide what you want the answer to be. And then you try to convince through dialogue the members in your house that are opposed to that. And then they vote. And you know what? Sometimes you don't do it right. And you may not get to go the way you wanted to go because you're a leader who is going to go with the majority no matter what. And it's, it is fascinating. And I, I have found it super compelling. Like it has completely sucked <laughs> me in. And I'm like, I, I've been very nervous when I'm watching the vote take out because I just don't know. Like the game doesn't always give you a tell. It'll be like this character 
is not sure and needs more time to contemplate their decision. And you're like, oh my God, are they going to vote with me or not? You just don't know. It's it's such a cool mechanic and it really draws you into the story in a way that I haven't experienced before, I don't think. And yeah, I'm excited to get to New Game Plus eventually too, because then, like I said, you can see this, these numbers and then you can kind of direct yourself down different types of paths to get different story endings and make sure you get all the characters. So that's kind of how the natural flow of the storytelling works out. When you do get battles, and again, this is not frequent. So I, I want to be clear. My first battle in this game, and I noted this, it came after two minute, two minutes, huh? Two hours and 27 minutes of gameplay. That's the first tactics battle I had. Yikes. So I understand wow. why people could be turned off. My second one came another you know hour hour and a half down the road and then there's a pretty decent flow but there are multiple times where the story battles that happen will have an hour more of other stuff kind of in between just listening to story and and watching cutscenes and occasionally exploring a little bit here and there if you do all of it and you can extend that and you kind of have to because the game has a really good system of not giving you a ton of xp it keeps you about a level maybe a level and a half to two levels at most underneath what the next recommended level for your fight is going to be and so you can go into your little encampment area and go into these things for mock battles and basically do your grinding to get your character levels up and so i done a ton of that not only to get my character levels up, but what I found is that gives me, they're, they're usually easy, but it gives me the opportunity to utilize characters that maybe I don't put on the battlefield all the time, not my mains. And it gives me an opportunity to kind of mess around with different tactic combinations and try things. And it keeps the game from locking up to where I'm not doing any combat. So anytime I want to do combat, I can just go grind a little bit and then wait for that next big battle. So the big battles, though, they're worth waiting for. Honestly, like I said, sometimes 45 minutes to an hour, they're not easy. They are freaking challenging. I'm on the normal difficulty, and I'm about a, I'm a little past mid-game now. The last two fights I had, one of them I got out with six out of my ten characters alive. The next one I got out with two out of nine, and I, I barely, barely survived the scenario. Wow. What I like wow. about it, yeah, what I like about it is that it it lets you do that, though. The game is not meant for you to worry about individual XP in the moment. So I, I tend to do that. I, I'm a big lover of these games in general. And in Fire Emblem, because of the way the game works, I'm usually trying to get certain characters to do certain... Like, I want to get the kill with X character because that's going to give them, you know, the XP. This one... I don't I don't care, right? It is like it is literally all hands on deck. If the mage kills everybody, the mage kills everybody. I don't care. I just want to live to see another day. Um <laughs> and the the levels are awesome, guys. They are they're multi-tiered, so there's a verticality to them that makes it really challenging if you don't have flying units and there's not a lot of units either. Like I have one unit that flies, one. And each individual unit type really feels unique and special so you don't have a whole bunch of different sword users or you don't have like five different seven different people that use bows like in fire emblem mm. one of your characters his main thing 
is that he builds ladders. So when you have like these incredibly vertical levels, then he is almost essential because you need somebody to go and build a ladder so that your other characters can more easily traverse and get to the enemy because there's also terrain bonuses in a lot of these games. So if archers are above you, the more tiles above you they are, the more multiplicable the damage is when they hit you with arrows. So if they're firing at you from the very top of the map, they can almost one-shot you. And so you really have to be careful about that. The terrain can catch on fire and cause ongoing damage. It can become icy and it can lock people in place. You can make it icy and then you can cast fire on it and create a puddle and then cast lightning and it will electrocute everything that is connected to this, the, the puddled tiles. It's, it's really cool. Like it's super dynamic and well thought out and it makes the combat just a, a complete, complete joy. I have just fallen in love with it um, totally. Uh, and you are able to get these special points that you unlock that you can use like real special abilities once or twice in a map. They're almost like life-saving types of abilities. Um, in combat, it, it's a lot like Octopath. You, you have these TP is what they're called. And so you can cast your heal spell an infinite number of times. You just have to have the TP or whatever for it. You get one of that every single round. Um, and then you have a character whose almost sole purpose is to go around and give people extra TP. So he's like a critical part of my battlefield. I have one guy that does that. He walks around and he literally just follows my mages and gives them extra points so they can cast their spells more. And then I have another guy that follows my mages around and just casts an attack buff on them and a defense buff on them constantly so that they can walk around and, and be much more sustainable and powerful. And you can just totally do all sorts of different combinations. Um, the voice acting is great. The character development is great. The class system is simplistic, but that the, like as far as like when they progress in their classes, it's not that interesting, but that's because they're each really interesting on their own because they're so unique uh, individually already. Um, and so, yeah, I have just completely uh, been blown away by it. It's all I want to do is play it. I'm excited to go through multiple different paths of this game. And I am really, really hoping that uh, the story continues to hold my attention and keep me going all the way to the end. Uh, it's nice when something you looked forward to this much hits. Yeah, it, I was looking at some pictures of it as you were talking about it, and I very much, it's the it's the art style of the game that, that I really enjoy. Um, and I really liked hearing that, even though it's counterproductive to the point of the game, that you could skip some of those introductions of, because that's what threw me off with Octopath, is I just got tired of resetting, I guess, every time I find a new character it basically it stops the game so you can learn their story i don't i don't recall if it was skippable i feel like if it was i would have continued playing it yeah I, it looks a lot like uh, rainbow moon is a game that i put a lot of time into at least mm. tactics like battle wise but that one sounds like it and that one had a lot of action in it and this one seemed uh, based on your description a lot more dialogue story heavy which is good but i think at this point in my life when i'm playing games i i fall out of that out of the story heavy action or story story heavy uh, mm -hmm. tactics games like this. And um, I like the idea of it. It sounded really cool the way you described how everybody affects one another. But 
it's it's hard for me to fall in love with something like this mm-hmm. these days. Oh, it's you know, it's going to be niche. I mean, and I and also I'll tell you the other thing I do is there's an auto button for the dialogue. You can also speed it up, so the options there to speed up dialogue, which is great. But I will click the auto button, and I will just I will literally just sit back on the couch and put the controller down for these little scenarios that play out. And I'll just, I will watch it like a TV show. Like I'm watching an animated TV show. I'm that engaged by just the intrigue of the story. But yes, you're right. It is not going to be for everyone. And I understand why I think it didn't quite hit the way that it had a lot more buzz going into it. And then it just hasn't caught on, but it is definitely going to give Elden Ring a run for its money for my game of the year. I'm almost positive. Like it is, it's that, much of a perfect kind of my kind of game. And I thought Elden Ring might run away with it, but it's going to be there in the conversation for me. Interesting. Hmm. I haven't even thought started thinking about game of the year yet, but I have some ideas I mean, though. Is, is there much coming out this year? To be honest? Yeah, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. I did start playing Octopath Traveler through Xbox game pass there for a while when I had Xbox game pass. It's just getting a little bit expensive. I'll I'll talk about that once we get to the uh, Xbox side. But that sounds like a lot of fun. I really liked. I mean, I'm more of like the traditional like, you know, turn based strategy game. But it's been a while since I played like a tactical game, like RPG. I think the last one was like Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced, I believe. Yep. I mean, that mm-hmm. was ages. That was like well on the Game Boy Advance, I think. So that that was ages and ages ago but that sounds like a lot of fun i'll definitely have to try that out yeah it's a genre that is making a comeback so between the new fire emblem three houses that came out a couple of years ago that was phenomenal and now this following it up and rumors of a final fantasy tactics remaster remake Mm -hmm. uh, and a tactics over ogre new game it seems like a genre that people want, and I'm personally just thrilled. I've been into this genre for my whole life. I used to put hundreds of hours into Disgaea as well, which oh. was another anime type of version of, of the game. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I'm all in on this right now. And I, the only other thing I have to mention is that I did start Cuphead. So on our week, oh. or on our podcast last week, yes, we were talking about the DLC, and I was like, man, that game looks cool, but it looks hard. And so I've always wanted to try it, but I've always been scared. And I popped on the PlayStation Store and it was on sale. And so I bought it and I played it once before I started Triangle Strategy. And <laughs> I got two bosses down, which means nothing, I'm sure. Uh, I'm on the third the one. Blueberry My and gosh. Carrot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm on the third one with a couple frogs. And yep. holy wow, it is a game that just does not look like it should be as difficult as it is. But... Even those early fights took me, I think, 30 minutes. The second second one, not the first. first one I got pretty quick. But the second one took me about 30 minutes. And you know, really had to understand the patterns. And it looks like, the, it doesn't even look hard. Like, it doesn't look like there's right. that much to the movements and stuff. But just the, it's so perfectly designed, it feels like, that you have to be careful. And you have to, you can't rush in. And you can't overcommit. And you have to be on the point with your button presses as well. Uh, and your, I forget what they're called, your parries. Yep. And your usage of your specials and all those things. And I've mm. really enjoyed what I have played of it, but it will be an ongoing like Returnal. I played a little bit more of Returnal as well and didn't 
make any progress um, in my two runs that I did. But it, it, they're kind of like ongoing games for me. I think I'll continue to pop on here and there and play through. And maybe one day I'll end up being able to report that I beat Cuphead, but I'm not going to sit down over a week and just bang my head on a wall to sure. go through that whole game at once. <laughs> but right. yeah, I can see why people <laughs> like it. Yeah, it's it's one of those games uh, where I have not tried. Um, <laughs> not None whatsoever, but Cuphead, from what I've seen people play, it seems great. It looks like a lot of fun. I was in love with the aesthetics, and then I saw how hard it was, and I was like, I think I'm just going to watch other people play it. <laughs> That's not a That's bad the way idea. to go. Yeah. <laughs> I never beat it myself. I got to a point, I don't even remember which boss it was, where I was just like, I think I'm done with this. I don't have the patience to, to keep going. But I also felt this way about Returnal at one point, too. So maybe one day, mm. like you, Aaron, I'll, I'll dip back in and... and try to progress a little bit more but it doesn't really interest me at the moment well christian what have you been up to we have no history to draw from oh, <laughs> what have you been what have you been playing this year but but also what what uh you've been playing lately <laughs> so as of lately so earlier this year i platinumed uh ratchet and clank ripped apart which was Woo-woo. a lot of fun um, yeah no it's i'm Okay, so number one, these these games out here are seventy dollars now. So any game that I buy for seventy dollars, I'm gonna try my best to platinum, or at least you know beat the game till I feel like I've gotten my money's worth. Insomniac games are always a lot of fun to complete, one hundred percent. I've had my PlayStation Five since day one. Uh, I've platinumed Miles Morales as well. Um, since having it uh, so there's like the two insomniac titles um, as of right now like i i have my playstation 5 for exclusives only so that's only the like really only the only time excuse me that i actually power it on or if i'm like watching like a blu-ray player or like a blu-ray of, of one of my movies but as of late um i've been getting into horizon forbidden west um still haven't beaten it i think i'm like halfway through i don't know what it is about that game but i can't finish it i don't know what it is i've i've played you know multiple you know open world rpg type games like i love the witcher skyrim you name it fallout um oblivion but and i've beaten the first game just fine but for some reason it is just taking me a hot minute to finish forbidden west and i mean i'm trying to push on through just i just want to beeline through the story at this moment i think it was that i was trying to do everything at once when i first started because i wanted to complete well like i guess you can say platinum the game um um while i you know am finishing the story but it's just it's not working and i'm just trying to chug on through it um (laughs) chipping away at it one little bit at a time um, but a, another game I'm looking forward to playing after this is going to be a Plague Tale Innocence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that one looks really, really great. I think I was able to claim it through PlayStation Plus, so I don't have to like buy like yep. Game Pass again or anything for it. Yeah, it was free I, last just, July. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just play it on there and then get ready for uh, Requiem because... It's it's a good story. I mean, I started it like a while ago, and I remember getting like really into it, and then I got distracted with something, and I can't remember what it was. But 
Um, Horizon Forbidden West has been like the game to beat before like God of War Ragnarok comes out. Um, I don't know if Final Fantasy 15 is coming out this year. I highly, highly doubt it. Um, but it seems like Ragnarok and like Gotham Knights, I also want to try out, but I just, I just got to get through this game so I can start other things. Um, so, <laughs> so have you That's... played the first horizon then? Yes. Okay. So you're a fan of the world and the universe. Yeah. I, I, I really like, if anything, I mean, the story is okay. Like it's interesting, but I really like Aloy as a character. Um, I can't say that her as a character changes a lot. It's more of, you know, everyone else around her changes. Like, she's she's very tried and true. I guess you can call that a little one. She can be a little one-dimensional at times. But I like how, number one, she's not sexualized whatsoever. Like, with any outfit, any gear that you put on her, there is no like sexualized version of it. You know, it's, it's very modest and that's what I really appreciate about, um, uh, the aesthetics of her, of her gear that you are able to equip onto her and just her, just as a uh, person, like she has a very calming voice. I, I don't know the name of the uh, mocap, um, slash voice actor for her. Yeah. yeah, She's really, really good. Yeah, just like a very calming, like reasonable type of of like dialogue. Even when Aloy does get a little flustered, it's only for like a brief second and then she like brings it back down. And it's like, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I really do enjoy the I mean the combat I wish was a little bit different. That is one thing I've never really been a big fan of with Horizon, uh, with with the um, franchise um, in and of itself, but it still grasps me for some reason. But it's it's fun, it really is. I just I want to get through it, but I don't want to rush through it. But then again, this game came out what <laughs> February, and it's right. like June right now, so I'm the worst gamer ever. I've been trying to beat it for a while and i keep getting distracted watching all these movies watching all these tv shows i'm like enough is enough i need to focus get it done and then i'll come back to it eventually because i'm not selling that puppy i dropped 70 dollars on it <laughs> it's staying at it's it's staying in the shelf where it belongs i, I just i can't i can't do it like maybe if i would have platinumed it I'm like, yeah, I, I I would feel more comfortable selling it because that's what I did with the Ratchet and Clank ripped apart. I beat it 100%. I was like, well, if I ever want to go back to it, I'll just wait for it to go on sale at a reasonable price and just blow through it again. And I already have all the trophies, so I don't have to worry about it. So I can just have fun. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love the Ratchet games for that reason. I mm -hmm. played through it twice. I played through Ratchet and Clank, the reboot, three times. Oh, uh, wow. I just... I just, I just adore them, and they're short. I mean, that's the thing. They're, yeah. you know, ten hour experiences. You're talking about Horizon Forbidden West. I'm 25 <laughs> hours into it, and I feel like I'm a third of the way through the game when I look at the map because I'm just obsessed. We've talked about this on our show of, you know, how when you have these open world games, you just, you feel like you have to do all of these things, right? Yeah. You've got to collect all the things, and it just can push that time up so far if that's the type yeah. of person you are if you can't ignore side quests you're in it and you're going to be in it for a long time and i'm that person i can't 
just yeah especially with like a really good bioware game but like i'm for this game i'm making an exception i'm beelining through the story and i'll do everything else after (laughs) because it's been so long i'm like i don't want to you know cross paths and then i get sidetracked with god of war and then i never come back to horizon again so that's what i'm afraid of that's what I do all the time. I don't even want to talk about how many games I have on my, I should either just call it abandoned or hurry up and go back and finish it. But really I should just abandon it and be honest with myself. <laughs> and, and like 90% of them are open world games because I try them and I love them. And then they wear me down after 20 to 30 hours every single time. I just can't, if they're, if that's their length as a whole, I can usually get through and do it. But yeah they're they're, they can be tough i think it's just with forbidden west because my one friend's been playing elden ring always talks about elden ring like 24 7 and i'm like we get it you love this game it's from (laughs) software games are not for me i've like i said before i've i've tried and tried and tried again but i think with for forbidden west when you're playing the game uh for the first like maybe two two and a half hours like you're not even in the West yet. Like, it's like kind of like a prologue. I know. Yeah. It takes a while for that. St- yeah. It takes a while for that story to get, for the game to get started. It's like, it's like playing Days Gone, which I will never do again. Yes. My friend kept <laughs> promising me that it was going to get better. I'm like, bro, this is taking way too long. Like, did you get the no. platinum for Days Gone? No, no. I stopped like an hour in. I was like, I can't. Oh, do this. man. Yeah. It was a grind. I'm happy I got it, but I have, I feel bad for Ben. I think it's Ben who did Days Gone, where it has a lot of cool things to to give you like the horde mechanic and all this stuff but the story and the slog of going through it for multiple hours was is a fair comparison of horizon as well i had fun i had more fun with horizon but as you guys have mm-hmm. said it's it, it it just seems like it takes its time when you're tr- you're trying to advance the story but you're getting distracted by all this other stuff and it, it just yeah it that, that's i'm just saying that's a really good comparison <laughs> yeah no yeah i i totally agree it's i don't know i'm just like i said i'm just trying to chip at it and i had like all this time in the world for like a week like a month ago and i didn't play it <laughs> for some reason and i was like i'm the worst right now but <laughs> daggone it i'm gonna get through it before god of war ragnarok hits in november before the last of us part one because, I mean, when that comes out, everything else can just go. Be That's how yourself. we feel, too. Yeah, we've already cleared. <laughs> we're clearing the schedule in September for our Last of Us 1 remake and Last of Us 2 replay schedule. Yeah. And that'll sure. lead right into basically God of War replay and God of War Ragnarok, it feels like. Oh, so, yes. <laughs> yeah. You can't beat them. Those are great games. So, cool. Well, nice to hear that game brought up because i've dabbled with it and i really liked it i mean i liked it more than i liked the first game and played it more than i liked the first game and it was in that group i mentioned earlier where i was just in fact it got sniped by elden ring and i will tell you this Mm. eventually i'm gonna talk about elden ring on the podcast but i'm not traditionally a from software guy so the sekiro the sekiro game the ones that are really reliant on those difficulty mechanics and parrying and stuff never been for me I played the most of played probably 20 or 25, maybe 30 hours of Bloodborne, but never beat it because they always reach a point where it's just too much difficulty for me to want to get through and get good enough. Um, and same thing with Dark Souls 3, which I like the world more. Elden Ring is different. 
Elden Ring. I have played 45 hours and I'm getting ready to go back into it after Triangle Strategy, I think, for another big push. And I have not even hardly scratched the surface of the game, but it feels different. It feels the controls are tight. I absolutely love it. I don't care at all about the story. I think people that obsess over from software lore are ridiculous. It doesn't make it. It's just <laughs> it's it's asinine, dark, heavy, dark fantasy stuff that is. I mean, it just doesn't make it's out. There, you have to go right? so many places. Like, who cares? Yeah, collects all like, these logs to get the entire yeah. story. I'm like, mm-hmm, exactly. We're not doing. But that. the combat <laughs> and the gameplay itself, I got to tell you, it is different and it is worth trying. It is phenomenal. Um, you know, if you ever get a chance to borrow a copy of it just to see for maybe five or 10 hours. I think, mm. you know, it's a game where you will get your money's worth because you can play it for 150 hours and not even discover everything that game has to offer. Oh and gosh. that's not even counting like a new game plus scenario. So it's really what people say is true in my opinion. And that's coming from a person who's not a from software stand. So, okay. I'll, yeah. I'll take your word on that. Cause yeah, I definitely am not software uh, from software stand. I might be able to borrow it from my buddy because I know he's been talking yeah, about worth, it. I know he has a PlayStation 5. Yeah, I, I would like to try it out for sure. Yeah. It's wild, too, that Horizon has had a, a bad go. It, the first one came out, I think, three days before Breath of the Wild. And everybody Ooh. talks about Breath of the Wild as the greatest yep. game of all time. And Horizon was left in the dust. And then the second one, Forbidden West, came out six days before Elden Ring. And that, those six days were like Horizon's prime period to be talked about yeah. because after that, everybody's talking about Elden Ring, you know, but like five nobody months later. Knew. You know? Nobody knew yeah. that Elden Ring was going to be as good as it was. I just thought it was going to be another basic so- from software game. You know, people are going to play it and move on. Did not expect it to blow up whatsoever. I don't think yeah. anyone knew. Because no. It had been forever. Like, I, much like waiting for George R. R. Martin to finish these two dang books. <laughs> I got two empty spaces on my bookshelf. Where are they, George? <laughs> been helping out making this game i don't like this yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah it's no no one could have predicted that elden ring was going to be that good i don't think so i don't think so either well let's transition and talk about some news so we had the xbox bethesda showcase that happened the last of the major ones to go down it was about an hour and a half we were told to kind of level our expectations going into it that they were going or wait we were not i can't remember see i'm getting these things confused <laughs> we were not told anything about this one if right. i recall but what they did say at the beginning of the showcase was that all of the games that we are going to see are coming in the next 12 months which we can debate whether or not we believe that or not i have some doubts but that being said that is what they are currently proclaiming they chose not to show us anything because of that that is presumably more than 12 months out which means there's a lot of titles that we probably were curious about that we didn't see any updates on so things like fable things like avowed not even a mention of them uh, was you know a little bummed by that but i get it and in a sense i understand what microsoft is doing here trying to do some damage control because their two big titles got delayed for this year. <laughs> and of course, those were the two titles that both led and then closed the show so that they could rehype us up for their now 2023 releases. So I want to go through a few of these games specifically 
And then I'm just going to open it up to the floor for us to talk about any of the other things in this list that caught our attention. So first up, the show opened with Redfall. This is the new co-op FPS shooter from Arcane, who has done the Dishonored games. And this is like a much heavier gameplay trailer that we got than the first time. Anybody have any thoughts or opinions on Redfall at all? Oh, Brad, your face. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things where I... Like, I know that I should be excited for it. Everybody in the video game community loves the arcane games. I've heard nothing but good things about Dishonored uh, for years. And I never fell in love with Deathloop last year either. And I don't know if it's the art style or the competitive or the co-op shooting. Something about it, just like the entire time, like, God, I love the idea of hunting vampires or whatever they're doing in this game. But it just it it hasn't clicked for me. And that, that could very well change. And I hope it does, because I know arcane is a a steam studio that a lot of people look forward to their next title. And it, it's just, it's never clicked with me. So I was just, you know, whatever about it as it was playing. So I, I feel as though like it looks great. You know, we finally got that gameplay. Um, it, I do agree, Aaron. It's, it's a little disheartening that fable and, and avow were not there. Um, I was really looking like, something at least avowed um but yeah we didn't really get anything there but for redfall as you were asking about it looks like a lot of fun i'm just worried that it's going to be a reskin of uh left for dead but with like vampires but it's it's nice how you're able to play with friends or go solo so at least it's not like almost like evolve i'm not sure if you guys remember that game Yep. In a way where, like, you could play with NPCs, but it's really about, you know, playing with your friends type situation, which is great. But I like to have, like, the single player experience for those games as well. So I can, you know, just because I'm not always playing with my friends. I don't talk to my friends all that much. Like, I mean, like, I like them, but, like, I mean, I don't want to <laughs> game with them all the time type situation. You know, sometimes you just want, like, a little bit of me time to yourself. But it looks interesting enough for me to try on Game Pass first before deciding if I want to buy it. And that's what I love about Game Pass is that it it's this huge like try before you buy model, which is something I think the gaming industry really, really needs. But that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> yeah, that's a much bigger can of worms. But I, I, and I agree. I think we all agree. And I, I'm really lukewarm on Redfall. It's not my style of game. I'm not going to, like you, I'm not going to put in a bunch of co-op time. I might, Mm. if it has split screen, I might co-op with my son and we'll put in a little bit of time into it and have fun. I think it's cool that it's vampires. I think everything with vampires is cool. So there's intrigue a little bit there. I like the art style, but I'm not at all excited slash anxious for this one. It's just a title that'll drop one day. And if I'm bored, I'll check it out. I did write down a little bit of information for anyone who may not have seen the additional Xbox showcase or kept up with details that were released online after the show. One important thing to note is that for when you are co-oping in the campaign, only the host is going to get progress your for campaign oh. progress. Oh. The, the other characters will get XP and will get items, and they will be able to retain those. So you can bump your character level up, however that works, but you would have to then replay the le- level solo on your own or as a host in order to 
get through the campaign. That's always been a, a gripe for me with games like this. Mm-hmm. I think that that is where Borderlands series has got it right and nailed it is that's not the case. Like if all three of us are playing Borderlands together and going through the campaign, <laughs> we will all complete the same parts of the campaign, um, even if it's out of order to some extent. Yeah. And so that's a, it's a whiff for me. It does look like Left 4 Dead and it looks fun, but I'm never going to want to go through that solo and as co-op, I don't think. Yeah, it's... <sighs> I don't know. It, it, it's just one of those games where I need to see more of. I need to, you know, actually see how it feels in my hands before, you know, making any prejudgments. Because, you know, I don't want to, like, prejudge a game where it's like, oh, well, this looks stupid. And then I, it ends up that, like, great. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see. Well, the other one, the big heavy hitter that we were all waiting for news on was Starfield. And we finally got... Our gameplay, we got an extended look at various systems and the way that Bethesda was going to give us this RPG in space. And already, we were Brad and I were talking about it as the show was going on. We were all joking about it on Twitter. I mean, the memes wrote themselves. It <laughs> very much looks like No Man's Skyrim oh. or, no, <laughs> or oh, No Man's <laughs> Fallout. That's not a bad um, thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's very it much... Depends. Very much Bethesda. <laughs> it very space. much does yeah. look like that, yes. Which I think is what people were hoping and wanted to an extent. Mm. And yeah, so I don't know. Anybody got any... I don't know what you guys' individual hype levels are for this game because some people were just over the moon have been... Like, this is their number one anticipated. Other mm. people are wait and see. But yeah, what are you, where are you at, Brad? It's a lot higher for me now than it was before. I know that a lot of people were talking it up just on the preview, like, but that's just doing a space game. Let's go. And I'm like, let's pump the brakes. You know, <laughs> Fallout 4 to me was was Fallout, but it had its flaws. And Fallout 76 was a disaster at launch. I, I heard it's a lot better now. But having seen this showcase, I think that, you know, a space game with, you know, Bethesda's uh, direction in game and RPG um, it could be really good. And the fact that they said that they have over a thousand planets to discover blows my mind i don't know how like they said that yeah some of them are going to be barren you're not going to have a whole lot to do there and some of them are going to have be filled with secrets and stuff to do and but you know going through like i think it's one of those things like the community is going to come together and be like what did you find on this planet and then i'm gonna you know my first thought was how am i even going to find that planet a thousand different planets to go to but yeah the whole Bethesda, you know, RPG style game. I've always I've always liked the the fall, you know, Fallout 3 will always have a special place in my heart. I do think as Kevin would say that New Vegas by Obsidian, you know, was a step up in in some of the mechanics that they added to that game. But Skyrim, I put a lot of hours into and then to put that kind of game in space and, you know, traversing all these planets and fully flyable ships that you can build it really raised my excitement level quite a bit. So I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, more from it. And uh, when it comes out, hopefully in April, is that what they said? Early 2023? Yeah. Early 2023. Yeah. yeah. Um, for Sky, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very excited for this game. I, I love Bethesda, you know, Todd Howard, God Howard, however you want to call him. You know, God that, Daddy, <laughs> that man could sell me like, bread at a grocery store just the way that he's able to yep like express so much you know meaning and like when when i first saw skyrim i was like oh my gosh like what what is this but for starfield i am very excited for it um it's 
I know a lot of people were saying it's like No Man's Sky, but it's kind of like the realistic version of No Man's Sky, uh, for sure. It's almost as if, if, I'm not sure if you guys remember the whole PUBG and Fortnite debacle, when they were kind of going back and forth, and it's like, well, Fortnite and PUBG, you know, they're all like these big Battle Royale games, uh, you know, but there's been others prior to it, but it's like, one's obviously more realistic, which is PUBG. And then one is more on the fun side, which is Fortnite. So that's kind of how I'm viewing Starfield and No Man's Sky. Um, I'm. It, it looks like a Bethesda game. I'm sure it's going to have a few bugs here and there. But then again, I'm hoping that it doesn't <laughs> now that it is a Xbox exclusive. They don't have to develop it for as many platforms anymore, um, just for Xbox and for PC. So we'll see. I mean, I am very excited for it. I was really hoping it was coming out this year. I was so like on board a little heartbroken that they that they pushed it back but honestly i'd rather them take their time with it and get it done because you know a rush game is never good type situation right. but you can only delay it so many times <laughs> before people start losing interest but from what yeah. we saw i'm very impressed with how things turned out yeah and that's i was saying on the discord after it came out that like Take all the time you need to polish it, because at my core, I, I really like Bethesda. I've put a lot of time into mm. their games, but they're known, you know, they get memed so much about their buggy <laughs> games at launch. And like, take all the time oh, you yeah. need to polish it. I really want to see them have a win. And with the resources of Microsoft's money behind them and a plan going forward, I, I hope that this time is used efficiently and they have the best release that they've ever had. Yeah, I hope that as well. I'm a huge Bethesda fan like you guys. I, for some reason, despite being a space junkie, space sci-fi stuff is my favorite, one of my favorite genres of films, one of my favorite genres of video games, even though it seems like every other one we got released this year at the Summer's <laughs> Game Fest was a space game. But, you know, at its core, it definitely is something that is highly interesting to me. The 1000 Planets thing, I had the opposite reaction because my initial thought was, if you're trying to give me a thousand different planets, they are all going to be incredibly boring and generic because there is no way you can put interesting, unique stuff into a thousand planets. You're just not going to do that. <laughs> and so yeah. I am a little concerned about what I saw and how generic it looked. I think what I loved the most about the gameplay we saw was the skill trees. They were gigantic and that's what I want in my Bethesda RPG. Like, I want to be able to just completely tailor that character to being down to these little details the way that I want to play it, right? Mm. And they look like they've enhanced that aspect of it. The gunplay looked like Bethesda. The, the frame rate was slowed yep. down, so I think that yep. might have been part of it. The ship dogfighting, I'm reluctant to trust and believe that's going to be anywhere near great you know, after I played an Ace Combat or a Microsoft Flight Sim, like even a Star Wars Rogue Squadron or whatever that game is called, like it, it I hesitate to. I, I'm nervous because I just feel like they're putting so many different aspects of gameplay into this. Are they going to be polished, and how are they going to all be elite, or are they just going to be another thing um, that's there? And so, I love, love, love the ambition of it, and I really want it to be incredible, but I'm not sold by what I've seen so far. 
that that's fair. And, and, and I think it's like an RPG. So I think the story is going to be key. That was one of the big things about Fallout New Vegas is it felt like so much more of a role playing game, and the story was so much better of hooking you in and engaging you and making you feel like you were in there than Fallout Four did. And even though like the gameplay of Fallout Four to me was much more fun and enjoyable. Yeah. And so I need I need that perfect mix. And Skyrim was the only one that's given me that perfect mix feel so far. Sure. Um, and so, yeah. So, I mean, like you said, I love the God Howard thing. I will be using that now. Um, he's he's so charismatic. Your analogy is spot on. Like he could absolutely just like totally sell you anything. I mean, Skyrim is Fingers on crossed. the Amazon like echo devices this man literally said if you want us to stop selling skyrim putting it on multiple <laughs> platforms to stop buying it and people keep <laughs> buying it so they're gonna keep pumping it out it's the same thing with the last of us people keep buying it they're gonna keep putting it on multiple platforms gta things like that so todd howard was right <laughs> that's right well we shall see all right, a couple others. Uh, Brad, I know Overwatch 2 is something you care about. What struck yes. you about the announcement for that? I was uh, surprised to see something so concrete. And I thought they would have their own thing. I knew they were having their event tomorrow uh, where they're uh, going to be announcing some things. So I thought all this information was coming tomorrow or today if you're listening to the podcast at drop. So seeing the launch date of Overwatch 2 being October 4th um, was really surprising. Um what one of the biggest questions I've had over the years is being owned by Activision is, you know, there's their business plan for years was pump out a new Call of Duty every year. But Overwatch wasn't a kind of game that you could just have a second one because over the course of the last six years, they've added new characters, they've added new maps, they complete continually built the game or added more to the game to just be this one big entity. So how do you have an Overwatch 2? And their method um, that they didn't talk about yet, and I'm hoping we hear a lot about at the showcase tomorrow, is the PvE aspect, where the game has always been competitive multiplayer or quick play. You don't always have to play competitively. Mm-hmm. But Overwatch 2, the multiplayer, I guess the big news is it's going free to play as expected for the last couple years. It's going free to play. It's on a brand new engine. The characters all got reskinned. Everything looks really slick. They're switching to 5v5 instead of 6v6. So the game started with you can play whoever you want. Then over time, it became something where you are limited to two tanks, two uh damage to healers and what's happening now is it's still going to be roll queue but it's going to be one tank and the the whole tank system is getting reworked um and a lot of new abilities a lot of character tweaks have happened throughout the years and even more happening because of adding new characters adding new maps excuse me adding new maps there's a lot of balancing that happens so they've been working hard on rebalancing reworking some characters entirely who were once dps characters are now going to be tanks and um, there's plenty of examples of role switching that's happening, and I, I couldn't be more excited. Um, I'm hoping to hear more about the PVE. I'm hoping a lot of people who slept on Overwatch for the last six years um, play it in October <laughs> when it's free to play. On the downside of that, though, I think that a lot of people are going to be upset with, I, I don't want to say upset, but it's going to come with, you know, it's going to have to have some kind of money right or income coming so i think there's going to be a lot more microtransactions and stuff like if you like these skins or if you it's it's always going to be cosmetic it's not going to be pay to win but i think a lot more of that's probably going to come to keep the revenue flowing for for that kind of game if if it, if the multiplayer is entirely free to play and then hopefully october which i doubt will 
have some kind of PV, PVE drop as well. They showed at the BlizzCon in 2020 some of the RPG elements, so like the talent trees and stuff of all the characters and the gameplay. It was very brief, but a lot more talking about it than showing it. But I think that that's going to give Overwatch a brand new life and dive into the lore, because the only lore that we've ever had was cinematics, comic books, and forum posts for the most part. So really excited about what's to come. Really excited to see what's tomorrow. They're going to introduce a new tank character called the Junker Queen. And with uh, hopefully one of their <laughs> cinematics, um, one of their not in-game cinematics, but like the pristine like Pixar rival yeah. animation, you know, with, with her introduction. They already showed some of it at the Xbox showcase. I'm hoping for that, that really nice one tomorrow because we haven't had one in a very long time. But that's where I'm at with it right now. Really excited. For the first Christian, time in a long time. Are you, Christian, are you a Overwatch player or any sort of FPS kind of shooter guy like that? Competitive type. Oh, yeah. So definitely not competitive. I mean, for a while there, I mean, I didn't play FPS games. Uh, I kind of stopped after like Call of Duty Ghosts. I was like, I'm done with Call of Duty. I, I was just done. I was tired of it. Um, and then Overwatch came into my life and made everything better. Um, it was, it, I mean, I don't play it as much anymore. Um, but when I do, I do have a lot of fun. But I just remember like Overwatch has always been that game that anyone can pick up and play, much like Super Smash Brothers. Like it's easy yep. to play, hard to master type situation. Um, I was very impressed that we were actually getting as much information um as we did for overwatch 2 and i didn't realize that they have a i guess it's during summer games fest like their own event is it is it like blizzard or Bli well i guess they're not doing blizzcon anymore but uh i didn't realize not blizzard this was year doing okay not this year but um i was very impressed with what i saw you know i'm i'm hoping we get more cinematic stuff maybe like a tv show like arcane please yeah. thank you um cuz that would be phenomenal um i think to do with the overwatch world but overwatch 2 you know so far i i think it's great that it is free to play um you know it's an easy to um it's an easy barrier for everyone to kind of just get into much like fortnite uh, unfortunately sometimes it does come with microtransactions um, I'm not sure if there's any type of like perk if you've you know purchased like the first game into there Overwatch is. 2. Oh, there is. Yeah, there's a a founders pack. You're gonna get some kind of skins and probably I think some loot boxes or or coins. Um, what's the currency in that game? I forget. I think it's just called um, currency. But I think I know Sombra has a new skin and somebody else. And that's anybody who owns the game prior to I think October 4th, but it, it might be sooner than that. I know the new beta. Okay. There's, I, I forgot to mention my birthday in a couple of weeks. The beta is dropping on June 28th for consoles and PC again. So an, another beta. Right. I'm excited to play on console for the first time because I played on the first beta on PC and I am not a PC shooter gamer at all. And so Nor I felt I. terrible at the game again. <laughs> I, I was excited <laughs> to play it again. I was playing with the controller, but just getting destroyed by the people with a mouse and keyboard which we do see on consoles once in a while but you know 95 percent of the people who play competitively on console probably still use the controller right so i'm excited to actually get in my you know my rhythm on the on the ps5 and play the beta in a couple weeks and see how it feels feels there i'm i haven't been this excited cool. for overwatch in a couple years same so, man I, it's been yeah. forever Ugh, i was like when is you know something new something fresh coming for Overwatch, because I mean, Overwatch was originally, I mean, that was like Blizzard's first like new property in like years. Long time. Yeah. And long, you were telling your time. story 
about being over Call of Duty. Like you and I sound like the same person when it comes to Overwatch, where I was just I, I grew out of Call of Duty. I was tired of playing a new one every year. I still go back and play Modern Warfare Remastered because that's you know mm. my bread and butter. I don't care about the new Call of Duties as much. Aaron's convinced me to play the campaigns, which I've always enjoyed. But I, as far as competitive Call of Duty every year, I'm completely over it. But Overwatch was yeah. sitting on the shelf one day and I was like, I'll try that. And it just completely revolutionized first-person shooters, I think, as a whole, let alone for me. Just yeah. the aspect of being a, a FPS MOBA game with competitive, you know, teamwork. It was, it was, it's incredible. And I can't wait for it to thrive again. Well, I'm glad that you guys had some hype for that, because if it was just me hosting a <laughs> podcast by myself, I would have not even mentioned that Overwatch 2 was in the showcase. How That's dare you, level. I have an Overwatch Blast sticker on my car. I really like that little <laughs> short film that they made of it one time. That was pretty cool. Oh, Which yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I really don't know. Like, like, they're trying to steal the thing in the middle of the museum or whatever, and they're all yeah. fighting. Oh, yeah. That was that the, one was, of the yeah. very first ones, yeah. That's, but there's yeah, been several cinematics ones, yeah. since then, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I there was something else that I was going to say that I, I can't remember right now, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I just not a not not that I didn't like it or whatever. I just never even really played it or tried it because I'm just not going to put my time into a multiplayer shooter. It's not ever been my thing, but... Um, so super cool um, and excited to hear about it when it drops on your birthday weekend or yeah, whatever. Yeah, happy birthday to me. <laughs> but there is a Blizzard game that I do care about. And my arguably top three at times, I've said it was my favorite game of all time, was Diablo the, the Diablo the, I almost said Diablo the third. <laughs> was Diablo three. I have put hundreds upon hundreds of hours into this game. I own it on Every platform I believe it's ever been on. I, I bought it on Mac when I had a MacBook. It, oh, it ran terribly. Uh, and then I had it on my <laughs> PC, PlayStation, multiple versions of different PlayStations, uh, multiple Xboxes, and even on my Switch. So I've gotten this game everywhere. I've played it everywhere. I, I couldn't get enough of it. And so I have been extremely excited for Diablo 4. And we got news of it in this showcase. And I just wanted to kind of quickly run down that. So confirmed definitely co-op which is what we need need couch co-op for diablo it's the thing Mm -hmm. that should be there and it's also going to expand upon that so it's going to have like an open world that has optional pvp which sounds really interesting to me the way that the writing was for their showcase the dial the actual like voiceover that they had was pretty funny the way they talked about (laughs) this um they were making jokes about like you know, taking your hammer to enemies or, you know, getting hammered (laughs) yourself. Um, I don't love PVP, but for some reason in this game and in this aspect, somewhere where I can just go to a zone to kind of mess around, uh, I have a lot of appeal in that and just a more open world for PVE experience. Like in this style of game, I'm all there for, uh, they also talked about having raid bosses. Yes. Like I cannot wait to see dozens of players in an ARPG team up wow style to go just wail on this gigantic enemy and get awesome loot so that's exciting cross play with full cross play is actually what they put out after the show so ps and xbox and pc should be able to seamlessly play together at any time which is phenomenal that is such great news Um, there's going to be a big push on in-game content there is an expanded Paragon skill tree, much bigger mm-hmm. and interesting than there was in Diablo 3. So I'm hyped for that because at times, you know, Diablo 3 has been supported for a decade, 
And they said they're going to support this for a long time. So I have no reason to, to doubt that. But I've played through so many seasons of content in that game. And ultimately, you can only be energized by one new cosmetic set or one new type right. of legendary so much. The classes at launch, uh, they're going with Barbarian, which has always been my favorite. It is one of the classics. I'm always, always starting, and my main yep. is always a Whirlwind Bard, and it always will be. Um, they're going to have Druid. Necromancer will be a starting class this time around, which is cool. Uh, the Rogue and the Sorceress is returning to replace the Wizard from Diablo 3. One of the cool things about the Necromancer is that they put out information that saying that you can actually spec out your summons. And so the different types of skeletons and creatures you raise, you can actually choose sort of unique directions for their stats. So you can make them more offensive or more defensive and give them different types of abilities, which sounds really awesome. They are going to have paid content. People started to freak out because of Diablo Immortal, but they clarified <laughs> and they said only optional cosmetic items and eventually full expansions. So that doesn't seem out of bounds at all with modern day gaming. It doesn't sound anything like the Diablo Immortal fiasco or the auction house debacle uh, when Diablo 3 launched. I'm not personally worried about it, but I actually, it's weird. Like in random times, I actually want to give a dev money to support because I love a game so much. I will put so many hours into this game that I won't mind dumping some money into cosmetics uh, occasionally. So I like that that's there. Um, one of the coolest parts of the information that has dropped after the showcase was about legendary items. Actually, maybe they might have talked about this a little bit on there. But essentially, you now are going to have the ability to extract legendary powers and put them in other items regardless of level. So the example that they gave in this Xbox blog post was she was talking, uh, this, the spokesperson for Blizzard was talking, and she said, the idea is that you you can summon two more skeleton mages, and you're thinking, wow, I have to keep this. This is makes my build really strong because I have these two extra skeleton mages. But eventually you're going to out-level that shield, and you're no longer, get, the, the mages are no longer going to be enough of a bump to make it worth carrying that out-leveled shield. And so now you'll be able to move that power of the extra two skeletal mages and put it on a new piece of gear um, so that you can just keep it going with you throughout the game, which is something that you could only do really in end game before. So that's something that is going to be new and very, very helpful. And I'm super excited about it. The more that they let us customize our characters, the more different types of powers and extracting power abilities that we get in this game, it just makes it, better and more fun and i'm so here for it i cannot wait their beta is actually up right now not up the beta is not up i should not have worded it like that <laughs> you can go to diablo 4's website and you can request to be considered for beta access and so i have done that day one i did that with diablo immortal and i was chosen and got to do that i've done it i've been in a beta for diablo 2 the re-release of that so Go put your name in, and maybe you'll get a chance to play this game early. But yeah, this is the one for me, guys, of the show, and this is the game that you aren't going to see me for a month, or the, the podcast is going to get real boring for a month, because <laughs> I'm not going to play anything else but Diablo. <laughs> Are either of you uh, fans of this series? 
Oh, I am. I'm, I'm actually looking up the Diablo 4 beta uh, sign-up right now. So, um, <laughs> Outstanding. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've never played through Diablo 1 or 2, but when Diablo 3 came out for consoles, I was like kind of just waiting because I was like, it's about time that Blizzard start. You know, after Overwatch, they brought over Diablo. I played the living crap out of Diablo 3. Um, and I just had such a ball with it. I've only really played with it uh, with like a wizard uh, character or class. So I haven't really had a chance to go through the others. But like I I just played the living crap out of that game and just had so much fun. Um, you know, dungeon crawling. That's usually not my style of game, but I really enjoyed uh, Diablo 3. So I'm definitely looking forward to Diablo 4. I'm just going to repeat. Or not repeat, I'm going to say resort to Christian because his story is the exact same as mine. I never cared about Diablo until Reaper of Souls came out on PS4, and I think that yeah. might have been my first PS4 Platinum. I played the ever-living hell out of it, and I would go back today. It's so easy to play, so much fun, and I fell in love with it and had a lot of time, a lot of fun co-oping with a friend, and yeah, bring me Diablo 4. I'm in. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to know that I have even more co-op partners <laughs> ready to go. Yeah. So I will. Yeah. We will. We will be getting together to go raid. And oh man, it's gonna be. It's gonna be awesome. I can't wait. Well, there was a ton. And last week I read off every game that was at Summer Games Fest, and my throat was not happy. So I'm not gonna do that this time. I just want to throw it out there. And Christian, since you're our guest, I will ask you first. Did anything else stick out to you? What are you excited about, etc. All right, so first up, I'm not sure if we have any Persona 5 uh, lovers in this house, but... Oh, baby, I that's my number two of the show. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I'm so stoked. That like, specifically Persona 5 Royal, because I never played Persona 3 or 4 before, but I'm glad that they're also coming as well, because I'll be able to try them out. But I've been wanting Persona to come to Xbox for ages and it's also coming to playstation 5 i believe persona uh 3 4 and 5 royal um that's right are also coming an to updated version 5. is coming to yeah P yep yeah so i because i i a lot of people didn't know that and you know when it comes to these events they're like oh available for you know xbox game pass windows mobile blah 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 blah. but like they conveniently leave out the uh competition uh much like kingdom hearts did uh kingdom hearts 3 because that was announced during like the playstation 4 uh e3 and then like Maybe like an hour later, they're like, oh, yeah, it's also coming to Xbox. And it's like, okay, cool. But I'm very excited for Persona 5 to just play through that game. I got my maybe like one third through it on my PlayStation 4. I haven't gone back to it, but I want to rebuy for um, for Xbox Series X. Hopefully, you know, better performance and whatnot. I'm just so excited for that. I listen to the the soundtrack and like just constantly. It's It's so good. That's like my number one takeaway. Um, we kind of already talked about Diablo and Overwatch. Um, I guess my next one would be um, the Kojima game that they're working with Xbox. Um, I don't really know what Hideo Kojima is like really working on, but I guess it's like a dream project of his, which is I pretty I feel like cool. everything is a dream project that he does, <laughs> doesn't it? Does it feel like that? Yeah, it does. It's... I mean, I never got into Death Stranding. I was like, I can't play this yep. Amazon delivery packaging system. <laughs> it looks great. You know, if people love it, that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just my, it's just, it's just not my cup of tea. 
Uh, the Rick and Morty game looks kind of interesting. Grounded, which I was actually pretty excited to see. That looks, you know, very fleshed out because I played the beta a while ago. So I'm kind of excited to go back into that world. Plague Tale Requiem, uh, we kind of already touched on that. Those are the things that kind of stick out to me. There were a few things that I wish we would have saw, but I'm not sure if we're getting into that today. So I'll just, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, what, what, was, <laughs> what are you of sad that wasn't there? That's totally fine, too. All right, so first off, this Xbox Game Pass thing is getting a little ex- like little expensive. I wish we would have seen a yearly option for Game Pass. That is a discounted. What, well, uh, not even this. Just like a like because right now you can buy Xbox Game Pass Ultimate for a year or three months. There is okay. no yearly option for it, like you can with like uh, you have with PlayStation Plus. That was the number one thing I was actually looking forward to, or at least some type of family plan because i think three years of xbox um game pass ultimate is like 45 dollars and that's already pushing up to like almost like three $60. months yeah I mean, yeah 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 for three months excuse me uh for three months it's around like 45 45 us dollars so i was kind of disappointed they didn't address that because between the two um subscriptions for playstation and xbox I would much rather go with Xbox because I believe it is just a better deal and my cloud games saves don't get locked behind a paywall, but that's just me. Um, so I would definitely choose Gamepad, a yearly option for it. If they had it, I would, you know, buy it in a heartbeat. It's just nowadays I kind of have to like pick and choose when I want to like, you know, play a game for a little bit, like pay for like a month um, or three. So there is no you know other in between or a greater option hellblade 2 is another one that i really wish we would have seen because we kind of sort of saw gameplay but it's like i guess that game's just not ready to be shown uh same thing with fable and avowed um those were three big losses that i really wish we would have at least heard something about but those would be like the big four things for me that i wish we would have saw was hellblade 2 uh, the new Fable, Avowed, and an, and a yearly option for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Yeah, I think it's coming. I think the family plan is coming. They've announced so. some. They've announced that it is. They've said that something. They haven't told us what it's going to be. They've just said that they're putting something together. So I agree. Would have been a great time to, especially in a showcase that is dedicated to most of this stuff is coming to Game Pass Day One in the next mm. twelve months. Like yeah, like here's hey, we have what's going to make it even of- better. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We have 12 months of gaming. Hey, like let's give you a 12 month yearly subscription for Game Pass. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you would think that this showcase would have been a good opportunity to do that considering that their whole show was games that are coming out in the 12 the next 12 months or they're confident are coming out in the next 12 months. So, yeah. if anything, Hellblade not being there and everything means yeah, they're not ready to to announce a release date for that. And I respect that cuz a lot of games these days they or for the last several years they'll they'll hype them up, but then you never know when they're coming out or they'll come out really buggy cuz they're crunching to reach those deadlines. And I think the industry, especially with the showcase is really making an effort to or Microsoft at least to 
to stop crunching. You know, let's give the developers the time yeah. that they need. And here's a bunch of reasons why you should keep Game Pass for the next 12 months, because these are the games we're expecting to come to them day one. And so, you know, it, I, I thought it was a, a great showcase for, for, you know, just an advertisement for Game Pass in, in that regard. Mm. It would have been a good opportunity to to show new price points for people who are like you and have that that mentality. We're like, well, I'm paying all this money for Game Pass, but sure there's a lot of games on here and i'm in the same boat but i don't really want to play any of them <laughs> for the time being so <laughs> yeah yeah it's i don't know i mean i love i love xbox i love what they do you know i'm, I'm a lover of video games on all sides i have a series x and a playstation 5 uh sadly no switch uh the switch is just not for me um but i just you know i as a person who owns both systems i just want like i want to see both companies thrive and you know give sure. you know value to in these games and like to your time and it's like hey you know if you're going to give me a yearly subscription you know you got to think you know people also have like netflix subscriptions Disney plus all these other uh tv movie streaming services and you know i don't know adobe things of that nature if you're in this type of profession when it comes to content creation and having a yearly option for Game Pass, like, I mean, even if it is like a hundred and like fifty dollars or something a year, at least it's a one time payment per year that I don't have to worry about for the rest of the year. And, yep. you know, I'm confident that, hey, you know, Starfield's coming out next year, Redfall, you know, we're going to have some Persona action. We're going to have some grounded action. Um, over, uh, I don't think Diablo 4 is coming to Game Pass. I'm not sure. I would sure. be surprised. I would be very surprised, surprised. but yeah, it's just, it it just, like you said, uh, Brad, it would have been a perfect time to like just a nice little icing on the cake. Even if we didn't get avowed or, you know, fable or, um, hellblade. And like you said, I, I hate it when, you know, like we got a title card for Skyrim, uh, elder Scrolls six. That ain't, that means nothing to me because we haven't seen anything about it. And then they just announced, I think, the other day, Todd Howard's like, "Oh yeah, well, Fallout uh, Fallout Six is going to come out after um, five. Elder yep, five, yeah, yeah, five. Sorry, in, in five. the year twenty thirty seven. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm on my deathbed is when the next Fallout uh, game is coming out. But I'm like, that's great. You know, you have a little bit of a roadmap, but we haven't seen anything. Like, so it doesn't that doesn't mean anything to me. So." But yeah, overall, I thought it was a great conference. Honestly, uh, very, very well-paced. I never really truly lost interest. There were a few games that I didn't really care too much about, but it kept my attention the entire time. Unlike the first, uh, I guess, real day of Summer Games Fest, because that was entirely too long. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Brad, anything else on this list that uh, got you excited? Uh, despite never beating the first Hollow Knight, no, uh, I was excited to finally see, as uh, the whole community probably was, to finally see Silk Song, Silk Song confirmed. Um, it's nice. That's a good get for, for Game Pass. I don't think it's... Ex- that It was one of the first things they showed, and I was confused. I was like, did Xbox really get Hollow Knight as an exclusive? <laughs> but on their website, yeah. it's got Steam and Nintendo Switch and Humble Store and all that stuff, so... Wherever I wherever it comes, if I if I'm still subscribed at the game at Game Pass, I'm probably gonna play it because it's such a be- the first one's such a beautiful game and and, mm. and it's hard, but it's uh you know this it's 
really exciting. Happy to see that out there. I thought I don't play League of Legends, but I do think that that was a good get for Microsoft on Game Pass uh, because Riot Games and League of Legends, especially with the show and the the esports and everything, is 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 a really good get for the service. Um, so good for them. Plague Tale Requiem. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. It's fantastic. The first one is fantastic, and I'll always recommend that to anybody that that's looking for a good single player narrative. It's maybe eight eight to ten hours, and it's 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 not not too short, not too long. Really, really good. Good relationship story between a sister protecting her little brother, and the it's like the French like there's like there's a plague going on, and it's yeah it's, yeah it's so good. So I'm excited mm. to see where they where the studio takes their story in the second one. In addition to that, the case of Benedict Fox I thought looked pretty good. Uh, it, was, it was like a side scroller, side scroller mm. action game. There, uh, Ravenlock was something that, that stood out to me, and it came up in the Discord. I think our our friend uh, Indy Andy Jones was playing a game called Echo Generation. <laughs> Maybe Aaron can speak to it. Ravenlock is from the same developers as as Echo Generation. That looked fun and i think it's on game pass so i might check that out it was one of the ones i had in scope for maybe playing before tonight's podcast i just didn't have time uh cocoon from the makers of limbo and inside i actually inside is a game that's been like suppressed in my in my game log i I do want to play it because i loved limbo so cocoon is something that to uh, clarify with that it is not from the studio it is not from i think it's play dead games they're making a game called somerville that we are waiting to hear more about this is just the lead designer of Limbo and Inside has gone okay. on his own. So it's he was involved in very intently, but it's not from the whole. St- I just want to clarify, like, this is not that oh, good, studio's yeah. next game. Gotcha. Mm. I appreciate the uh, correction there. And uh, yeah, I that's that's about it. I think the Rick, the, the high on life game from Squanch Games, <laughs> Justin <laughs> Roiland, uh, you know, the, the, the talking knife and the talking guns and just the goofy humor that you find in Rick and Morty and and uh, Solar Opposites and all the Squanch games. It, it looks a lot like a lot of fun. So I'm excited to see how that plays. And that's about it for me. What about you, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, you so Plague Tale Innocence has been on my list of kind of next up consideration for a long time those are the type of games i'll definitely get to Uh, i love those narrative third person games and games that are eight to ten hours i will often have a full weekend where i just can quickly just nail one of those and so i've decided i'm going to wait until closer to when requiem comes out so i can kind of line that up just like Mm -hmm. i'm doing with god of war and some of these others i'm just going to go and wait and play it right before requiem comes out so that i can play them back to back and that was exciting to me. Silk Song's interesting because for the way that the gaming community as a whole has talked about and anticipated that game, I felt like its announcement fell completely flat. I have seen zero Twitter buzz about Silk Song. It is all about like Starfield or just random other things, but there is not a loud echoing of information about silk song and it's crazy to me because people said they wanted this so bad and then xbox has it and they're like game pass day one and nobody seems like they're talking about it it is mm-hmm. the strangest thing i think but we'll see uh again yeah. not for me probably because i didn't get through hollow knight either i love it think it's a great game very well made but too hard for me I think uh, the Fallout 76 expansion made me laugh because they spelled Pitt with two T's. And I just I keep wondering, is like there's like some secret Brad Pitt tie-in that's going to happen in this <laughs> game. Did you uh, see the cinematic? It's it's Pittsburgh, but the 
its spur oh. is, is cut off. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so I think the pit yeah. is in Pittsburgh. This is, that's how much attention I was play, paying to the Fallout <laughs> 76 portion of the show. Oh, Forza man. Horizon 5, I absolutely love the Horizon games. I loved the DLC that they put out for Lego in, for, in Horizon 4, and these Hot Wheel tracks that they're doing in Forza Horizon 5 look sick. So I'm definitely, I still have that game installed at all times, and I will be going and driving around on those suckers. The last case of Benedict Fox also definitely caught my eye. That one was one of my like winners of the show. Honestly, it really blew me away and looked phenomenal and unique and just the perfect kind of game that I am looking to discover when I think about indie games. I've always wanted to try Ark, and I've heard yeah. such bad things about it on console. So an Ark 2 coming to a console and with made with that in mind, that world seems fascinating to me and I'm intrigued by that. So if this Ark 2 is coming to like Game Pass, I will likely check it out at some point. Uh, just the idea of the way that dinosaurs are mixing with humans in that world is fascinating. And bigger for me was the Persona news. So like Christian said, I I'm still going through Persona 5 Royal. I've talked about it on the podcast. I will be for a while because I play it so sporadically only when my daughter is visiting because we do it together. But we also played Persona 4 Golden together and I've been aching to replay it. I bought it for Steam, but I never play anything on Steam. And so I will be jumping at the opportunity to replay Persona 4 Golden, which is not coming to PS5, by the way. That is only coming to PS4. Oh, um, I see. I also, see. I've never played Persona 3. I'm a little bummed that we're getting the Persona 3 portable version instead of the other PS3 version. This is the PSP version of the game, which people say is not quite as good, but it's Persona 3 at its heart, and I haven't got a chance to do it. So, And it also is only coming to PS4. Um, uh, so, I mean, like version-wise. I mean, obviously you can play right. it on the PS5, but it's not yeah, going to be like, yeah. updated. Right. So, um, yeah. So me, I cannot wait for the those two persona games to hit and i'm just hoping that whatever updates there are to persona 5 royal it's just one of those awesome like resident evil things where it just happens and it just gives me the next <laughs> i've already bought that game twice i've bought persona 5 and then i bought persona 5 royal and like i just just don't make me pay for it a third time please that's unfair and not nice i i agree um, yeah yeah oh, and minecraft <laughs> legends i should say minecraft legends so I played through Minecraft Dungeons because I needed more of that Diablo fix. And I don't know if you guys have ever tried it, but it's a blast. It's like just a dungeon caller like Diablo. My son and daughter and I played it co-op. I played it co-op with a couple of my friends as well. And it's so much fun. And it, they said it's a little different. So it's not going to be the Diablo style. It's more of an action strategy game. And I don't really know what that means by the trailer that we saw, but... Yeah. I'm intrigued. They did a fantastic job with the Diablo style version of it. And I don't play Minecraft, but I like the <laughs> look of it. You know, I'm just not like a sandbox guy, but you put that style in different games. I mean, I even played the Telltale Minecraft game and I didn't care about the actual Minecraft. So I will want to check that one out as well. Oh, and as yeah. dusk falls, I shoot, oh, I just yeah. keep seeing them. Um, as dusk falls was, I believe another game that is going to be in the vein of Supermassive's uh, choice type games like Until Dawn, The Quarry, and also like the Life is Strange type games where you're making decisions. And that one caught my eye as well because I like games just like that in general and uh, intriguing stories that you kind of get to walk through and choose your own adventure. 
Yeah. So really quick, I so for I was kind of confused about the League of Legends games. Are those those aren't coming to Xbox, right? Or is that more on the Xbox PC side? I don't know. Did they clarify that League itself was coming to Xbox? Cause they might have. It might have just meant they might have meant the PC Microsoft side. I think so. That makes more sense. But like, I was like, if League of Legends is coming to like Xbox, like consoles, I'll play it because I just hate playing on a mouse and keyboard. It's not my thing. And like I said before, like as soon as I started playing Diablo three on my PlayStation four, it PC was like, and mobile. PC and mobile. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, it looks which like makes a lot more sense. sense. And I yeah yeah, yeah. It looks me, like I don't know how they make it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a console version. I'm there. I'm there. Like here's the story. Give me a console version of that as well. Like I'm all there. I'll do it. On a quick Google yeah. search, it looks like if you're subscribed to the uh, Ultimate Game Pass, you're going to get all kinds of perks in the League of Legend games. Okay, so that's what it is. Yeah, it's gotcha. it's more of like a partnership more so than the games coming to to Game Pass, as far as I can mm. tell, in, in a quick search. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, a lot of games, man, a lot of talk about. Uh, it's been awesome the last couple of weeks getting to go through all these showcases, but it's also a lot. And it's nice to kind of come down from that and then start realizing that there are stuff to play now. And we can look forward to those. And when they come, they come. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sometimes they just don't. Sometimes they disappear and then we never hear about them again. But Christian, thank you for joining us tonight. This has been great. It's been awesome having you and your perspectives as well. Can you tell everybody one more time where they can find you on socials, where they can find your work and stuff? Yeah. So you can find my movie and TV podcast, uh, Film Optics, that is Optics with an X, O-P-T-I-X, on podcast platforms around the internet. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that jazz. It is an audio-only podcast, so unfortunately, we're not on YouTube. It's just not really our niche there, but we do go through a lot of different movies and TVs that we review on a weekly basis, uh, currently covering Miss Marvel and, you know, going to be co- covering things like uh, Buzz Lightyear, or Lightyear, I should say, and I also write for In Session uh, Film, um, so... Um, I'm a writer over there. I just released my Jurassic World Dominion uh, written review, so you can check that over at InSessionFilm.com. And thank you again for having me on. This was so much fun. It's so nice to just not talk about movies and TV. <laughs> I know all the time. <laughs> no, it's it's you know. I mean, video game really is like my first love. Like I, I I've always believed that at least the narrative side of video games is the ultimate form of storytelling because you get that empathy through control because i mean ever since i started playing the last of us on playstation 3 it's like it's just really changed my world so when it comes to narrative um you know driven experiences on um on for video games but it's it's so nice just to talk about games and you know it's it's it really is like you know another like a second love and it's something i like to do in my spare time when i'm kind of just don't feel like watching a movie or TV, you know, I kind of just want to do something for leisure because unfortunately, you know, covering a lot of movies and TV, we don't necessarily have that privilege anymore. (laughs) So, but thank you again for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely, man. Pleasure was ours. 
Well, listeners, if you enjoy what you heard, we would love for you to subscribe to the show so you never miss any more episodes. Share the show with your friends. Share us and follow us on social media, our Twitter and other sites. All of the links can be found in the show notes to this and every episode. Additionally, if you have a few minutes, we would love for you to leave us a quick five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice. They do help us get noticed and bump us up in the algorithms and all that good technical stuff that leads to more people discovering the show. No matter what, thank you so much for listening because this podcast is for you. We'll be back soon. Until then, do what we do. Get out there and follow.